Can we talk something else? Can, can we talk about something else? Hello. Out there. Oftentimes, while searching for dark topics, I'll come across something that grabs me. But after a brief struggle, I'll have to rip my attention from it. There's not enough there, I'll mutter and scroll on. It's like walking through a graveyard filled with murder victims, their tombstones, my tablet... I read their personal details, I learn of their killer, sometimes I'll find a gruesome image of their final form, and every time I move on, it's just the same as strolling through a cemetery. You feel some guilt, walking on the graves, for casually moving past an entire lifetime or over an entire lifetime. You feel a tug from the ghost that has so much to share. Today, we begin a new tradition on Dark Topic, one where I, from time to time, pause to collect these stories and share them at once. It'll make me feel better, this arrangement, to stop and smell the dead roses, carnations, lilies, and orchids, like a true crime bouquet. Welcome to Dark Topic. I'm your host. Jack Luna. This is a true crime happening. A true crime bouquet. And I know somebody is making fun of my pronunciation of bouquet. It's one of those words you rarely say. And if you say it a bunch, it sounds ridiculous. Bouquet, 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 bouquet. I head to the internet to get the proper way to say it, and there's some guy with a thick English accent I can barely understand trying to teach me how to speak properly. So we're going with bouquet, okay? Okay, bouquet. Now where do I start? I guess when building a bouquet, you kind of just grab whatever and build off of it. That's what I see the girls down there at the flower shop do every Mother's Day, every birthday. They just grab one and they they build off of it. So I'm about to do the same. Here's a story out of Indiana, Jeffersonville, where a funeral director has been charged with 40 counts of theft following the discovery of 31 decomposing corpses stashed all around the Lankford Funeral Home and Family Center. Randy Lankford who looks just like the type of guy you'd expect to surround himself with putrefying corpses, Randy has been released to house arrest, and his sentencing will occur later this month, June 23rd, 2023. Randy Lankford, who looks to be in his late 50s, overweight, balding, patchy beard, shit-eating grin, oversized suit, rat-like eyes, something about his nose bugs me, What else can I tell you about Randy? Bad skin. And I'm going at him, at his looks, assuming he's a bad guy. And I promise not to do this, but I'm doing it. 
I mean, he's being accused of holding on to a bunch of corpses and failing to perform proper burial service while taking money from these corpses' loved ones. There's not a whole lot here. Truly, I don't get why he's got all these bodies hanging around the funeral parlor, stuffed in closets, hanging over chairs in the boardroom. I assume he took on more business than he could handle and ran out of cold storage space. Digging deeper, I discovered an article from 2019 where Randy speaks about his reasons for opening a funeral parlor. And now suddenly I feel I may have been a little hard on Randy. Oh dear. Looking at these notes, acting like I'm seeing them for the first time because this is supposed to be like kind of like a free-flowing thing, you know. I'm trying to act like one of these fucking knuckleheads who reads off a of Wikipedia. I'm not, by the way, I'm not. It's all a lie. But it looks like he was a minister. And when his parents died six months apart, Randy was left to foot the bill. A bill of 16 grand, as neither had life insurance or had saved up for funeral costs. Note to self, save up for funeral costs. Note to self, get life insurance. Note to self, don't tell him you smoke as much and drink as much as you do. Note to self, stop telling your doctor how much you smoke and drink because he will tell them. Randy decided then after his parents passed away and he had to foot this bill that he would get into the business of being a funeral director and try to help others who would find themselves eventually in a similar bind especially at this time in 2019 with covid looming or already bringing in bodies a great time to start i'm assuming or maybe a bad time perhaps business was booming and he wasn't ready for it Oh, good. I have some quotes here from bright-eyed, well-meaning Randy when he was just getting into the business. This from late November of 2019. Quote, We are able to offer a low-cost funeral service and cremation service as well. We keep our prices lower, knowing that most of the families we encounter do not have any life insurance. End quote. Well, now I'm thawing a little like a corpse left out of the cooler, but it's still messed up. From this, we can maybe see where he went wrong. Did I mention that he was a minister before he got into this? I I don't think that I did. He's a minister at a church. And by being a minister, Randy has to know of the path to hell being paved with good intentions. Let's get another early days quote from Randy. Early days in his funeral business uh, past being a minister. Quote, I don't want any other family to be in the situation I was in. So I offer my services at a discounted price. End quote. He's starting to sound like a fucking used car salesman, but we continue. We're giving him the benefit of the doubt. We're still feeling guilty about calling him all those names and, you know, critiquing his appearance. All this considered, though, you do tell them, Randy, that their loved one might have to rot behind the organ for a few weeks at that price, or in the children's activity room. You see, there were 31 bodies laying around his funeral parlor when they finally figured this out. The coroner had been by, dropping off bodies, and tipped the police off after becoming suspicious of the enormous smell in the place, suspicious that Randy wouldn't let anybody in there. It's like, whoa, that place reeks. Surely, some of these corpses that were causing the smell were stashed in the children's activity room he speaks of here, quote, 
So when a visitation or a funeral is going on, there is an area available for children to watch cartoons, movies, play with toys and such to keep them occupied. End quote. And dead bodies, Randy. They can play with decomposing dead bodies too, Randy, right? You forgot that part. A judge has recommended that Randy Lankford spend four years in prison and eight years under home detention. It's probably safe to say his business is ruined, so I'm not sure what he's going to do with himself. I personally think he should go back to ministering. That's the only job you can always go back to as long as you say you're sorry. Or at least that's what I heard. I don't know if that's true. Here's a quote from a father who was worried about his son's body being one of the ones found laying around the fucking funeral parlor when this story broke last year. It was a big story. You probably heard of it and then forgot about it because a thousand other stories got rammed down your throat. Most of them about trans people. Well, you know, the whole Russia-China situation is going on with them taking over shit in World War Three on the horizon. But whatever. We're, we'll just worry about trans people. And... um you know, I, I couldn't figure out what to do with this story when it broke, so now we're here. It was kind of like how Randy couldn't figure out what to do with all those corpses. Um, so we're tied in that way. All right, that's enough of that. From the father, who was worried his son who had died was amongst the dead laying around the funeral parlor, quote, He couldn't get in touch with the coroner. He couldn't get signed off on some bodies that were there. He had a lot of COVID patients and my son would have to wait, end quote. That's the father of, you know, a kid that possibly could have been in there after an accident or something like that, saying what he thought about Randy and um, Randy blowing him off. This is great insight. And I think now I'm on the same page as many affected by this case. Randy might have meant well, but he should have told someone he was overrun with bodies. Perhaps it really was about the money. Otherwise, why not just speak up about it to someone who might be able to help? Hey, I've got too many bodies here. I'm starting to run out of closet space. And now I'm swinging back to thinking Randy's a bad guy. I was starting to go towards maybe he's a good guy who just, you know, was trying his best, giving deals, laying corpses wherever he could. He's going to burn most of them anyways. Who gives a fuck? But from one person that I saw in an interview, he said, I was talking to him right up until then. He wouldn't let me come in. He wouldn't let me figure out what was going on with my loved one. And I started to realize he's full of shit. And wait a minute. How did I even think he was any good? The guy's taking on people's loved ones and letting them decompose in the staff bathroom. And oh, yeah, it's that old article that I put in the show notes. He seemed like he had the right idea coming into this whole funeral director thing from the ministry. His heart was at one point maybe pure about it. But given enough time and opportunity, any one of us can become rotten, I suppose. Rotten Randy is what I'm calling him. He's got to pay like 40 grand a body too, I read. Yeah, you know, not a good guy. A scummy salesman in the end, like most ministers, not all. Just every single one I've ever met. Ah, well, that's all we got on that. For now, it's ongoing. Check the show notes. Check out Randy Lankford, Indiana, Jeffersonville for update. 
All right, June's journey, everyone. A game I've been playing with my six-year-old son before bed every night, almost every night. I mean, he really enjoys it. So do I. I mean, everyone enjoys a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey has. Get to know June and her companions as you delve deeper into the captivating story. Feel the emotional weight of June's quest for justice as she navigates through love, loss, and betrayal. Search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Each location unveils fragments of June's childhood and uncovers key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. Where will each new chapter take you? Embark on a journey into a gripping narrative where intrigue, secrets, and unexpected twists await at every turn. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery mobile game that puts your detective skills to the test. That's what myself and my son like about it. We like to um, solve mysteries together, puzzles together. And uh, I'm usually one solving them, but I'm kind of pushing them in the direction of thinking that he did it. Well, it's always been me. So be prepared for an adventure that goes beyond solving mystifying puzzles. Expect to crack safes and navigate trap doors with caution. Play as June Parker and investigate beautifully detailed scenes of the 1920s whilst uncovering the mystery of her sister's murder. With hundreds of mind-teasing puzzles, the next clue is always within reach. June's Journey. You can download June's Journey using the link in the show's description. June's Journey. Check it out. Rosetta Stone, everybody. You know, for a long time, I've been wanting to go to Japan. But the thing holding me back is that I'm intimidated by the language. And that's why I've been going pretty hard at the Rosetta Stone service. I want to be able to take my girl to Japan, a place that she's always wanted to go and suddenly just start speaking fluent Japanese at the restaurant. That's my goal. (laughs) Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app, and it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It's been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. Rosetta Stone immerses you in a bunch of ways. Uh, There's an intuitive process where you pick up the language naturally, first with words and phrases, then sentences, They have the speech recognition feature, built-in true accent, gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Uh, It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient, and it's an amazing value, especially with this offer here. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Dark Topic listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off on limited access to 25 language courses. For the rest of your life, redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Why are so many dogs suffering with health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a bunch of research, she feels there's one place we can look to support any dog's health, and that's their food. So she decided to create something She could actually feel good about feeding her dogs. It's called Superfood Complete. Superfood Complete is made with over 30 of the healthiest ingredients on the planet, including several superfoods vital to your dog's health. Badlands Ranch also supports the Jason DeBue Heigl Foundation, which has helped rescue thousands of dogs and place them in loving homes. Like I've mentioned, we'll be getting a dog this summer. I've had plenty of dogs in the past. And, um... I'm looking forward to using this product with them. Everything I've researched about it, everything that I've heard about it is uh, positive. It's important for me to give this dog the right start and uh, be naming it Terror. That's an inside joke for everybody from uh, Dark Topic Past. 
Terror will be the name, name of the dog. Uh, probably be a terrier. And this is the product that I am looking at uh, to certainly get my dog Terror the right start when it comes to proper nutrition. Go to badlandsranch.com slash darktopic and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to badlandsranch.com slash darktopic today. Now, let's see what else we have here. Ah, yeah, this one. I wanted something else recent keep it fresh but there's nothing one could want about this mess except for it to have never happened let's head to the small town of Harahan, Louisiana April 25th 2023 a 43 year old woman named Bunnack known by her Americanized moniker of Hannah Linden but we'll call her Bunnack because it's scarier a Thai name from what I can tell Bunnack is Casually walking through the quiet Cajun community. She wears tall leather white boots. She has a red shirt on like a t-shirt. The click clack of the heels can be heard by some of the homes she passes. It is 9.30 p.m. A Tuesday evening. What's she wearing on her? What's she wearing on her? her, She's not just wearing boots. Black shorts or something like that. It looks like maybe tights on her knee. A car drives slowly past Bunnack, who walks on the road. Walking on the road is strange enough. Something drunks and druggies seem to think is necessary, but in this case, our girl Bunnack needs the space to haul her wagon, upon which teeters a 12-gallon chlorine bucket with a blue lid fitted to it. The bucket is white. Bunnack is on a mission, her tired eyes serene as she makes the 10-minute walk to the mother's house of her long-time boyfriend's child. This has been a long time coming. Something like this. Banak has been in multiple disputes, physical assaults and restraining orders between herself and her lover's ex-wife. But now, everything will end. Victory is Banak's. Vengeance is Banak's. She reaches the home of the mother, the bitch, and rolls the sealed container onto her front lawn. Then, Banak likely spits before walking away and checking herself into a local hospital for a much-needed rest. The next morning, Wednesday, April 26th of 2023, her boyfriend wakes up around 7 a.m. and realizes that Banak is not home. When he enters his little girl's room, that of six-year-old Bella Fontenelle, he starches in the kindergartner's doorway. Bella is gone too. He drives around looking for them. Perhaps the two went for a walk, an early morning walk. Seems highly unlikely as they don't get along so good. But they did go for a walk. Just not this morning. When he finds the large white chlorine bucket on his ex-wife's front lawn, he calls for help. Something is terribly wrong here. Police are soon on the scene and they pry open the bucket. The little girl spills out. Her father and mother are maybe both there to see. Bella, 
this six-year-old has been strangled to death. She has suffered a beating about her head. The body is intact. A small blessing. Banak is soon tracked down and arrested while undergoing psychiatric care at the local hospital. And now maybe some of us need some care at a local hospital too. You know, psychologically or not, we seem to be over inundated with this kind of shit, even as recent as a couple of months ago. It doesn't seem to affect us in the same way it used to. Something like this back in 1993 would be a thing that we would talk about to this day. Now it's something we barely talk about two months later. This recent crime story out of a small town in Louisiana have been haunting the headlines heading into this summer. There is footage of Banak Hannah Landon grabbed from a home surveillance camera, Ring, where you can watch her drag the wagon with its precious load past. And you can find that in the show notes. Not blurred out. Like a lot of people blur shit out. They want to blur out a fucking, I don't know, uh, they want to blur out a container, I guess. The container's sealed. They're just trying to help us. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for making me search further just to see a fucking white barrel with a blue top on it. Thanks for saving me. You know, we got to move on from this one as well. That's about all there is. For now, there's nothing more to see. You can see the court proceedings. You can see whatever the fuck happens going on here in the future. It's still kind of ongoing, as it will be ongoing in our minds from here on in, I'm sure, now that I've reminded you, at least for a couple of days. It's one that will stay with all of us, I'm certain. Next, and finally, to a story that has been haunting me for a while. 13-year-old Carrie Ann Jopek of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, went missing on March 16th of 1982. Carrie had been suspended from school this day and failed to return home. The rebellious 7th grader was initially thought to have run away. She had left school at 1.30 p.m. And let me step in here. We've moved from two races to one from the past. I'm, this is me palate cleansing. This is me trying to take the edge off, you know? How's it going? Also, this is me speaking in a thunderstorm. So if you hear anything in the background, that is not production value. That is legitimately a, a thunderstorm in the background. Uh, so pretty cool, pretty ominous, pretty neat what's happening as I record. Oh, a crow just went off there too. How, how much spookier can it get? Carrie's best friend, Robin, lived directly across the street from her. So, since I interrupted there, I want to remind you that Carrie Ann Jopek was 13 years old from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This is March 16th of 1982. And uh, she's been suspended from school. She's walking home at 1.30 p.m. And she stops in at her friend Robin's house, who lives across the street from her. There's a party planned there that afternoon. And Robin's older brother, whom Carrie Ann may have been beginning to have a crush on due to stuff that was read in her journal or something she had told her mother or cousin... Or maybe this boy had a crush on her. I think that they, they both are kind of warming up to each other. He was having people over and Carrie had been invited. When Carrie's mother begins getting worried about her daughter around dinner time, she heads over to Robin's house. By now, she knows that Carrie Ann had been in trouble at school and it's likely that she's hiding out over there. But the party across the street, with all its noise and action does not appear to include Carrie and Jopek. And how can that be? Her mother is certain that her friends are hiding her. 
But after a while, like by 11 p.m. that night, when the kids are just as concerned as the mother, the house party morphs into a neighborhood search party for the missing 13-year-old. And they can't find her. Suspicion falls on Carrie Ann's stepfather. They never got along. It doesn't look good for Carrie when he pours some cement in the yard for a patio a few weeks after her disappearance, while the cops are still thinking she's a runaway. Neighbors and investigators become so suspicious that the ground-penetrating radar unit is brought in. They also bring in uh, cadaver dogs, but the yard is soon cleared. The stepfather isn't. Despite the lack of remains, he remains a suspect in the minds of those in the neighborhood. Along with him being a suspect, the boy across the street is one for three decades. Now, I throw that three decades in there just to let you know right off the bat, this thing doesn't get solved right away, clearly. Three decades, what's that, 30 years? It's actually 33 years. But in this time, the boy across the street, his name was Johnny, the older brother of Carrie's best friend, Robin. He was a 17-year-old local hood, known to sell drugs and flirt with younger girls. While his stepfather's cement patio turned up empty, Johnny's place yielded what everyone had feared a year and a half after Carrie Ann Jopek's disappearance. While renovating the back area of the home, where from many felt Carrie had been stolen from, a contractor discovered her body. It had been buried in a shallow grave under the back porch. She was in the fetal position. Her neck appeared to be broken. That's all they could tell. She's rotted away. 17-year-old Johnny had been helping with the leveling of the ground after they'd torn down the deck in the backyard, and a stench had first alerted him and the contractor that something bad was happening. Johnny began crying upon the discovery, then threw up in the yard. But if he did it, or had anything to do with it, why would he help in the discovery? Why wouldn't he try to, you know, say, I'll do it myself, or, you know not even have a contractor back there in the first place. It made no sense. Cops thought he didn't do it after interviewing him multiple times, polygraphs, all that. He didn't do it, and he was eventually cleared. Like I said, it would take three decades to solve this case. And like I said before about the stepfather of Carrie Ann, the same was for Johnny. The neighborhood never let him go in their minds as the possible killer. Three decades and three years it would take. And there are those who are certain Carrie Ann Jopek is the one responsible for its unlikely resolution on October the 11th of 2015, when a Milwaukee news station receives a phone call from a man who is desperate to get something off his chest. The man had already confessed to his ex-wife and to a crisis hotline this early fall morning. Jose Ferreira had been 17 years old like his buddy Johnny back in 82 when the whole Carrie Ann Joe Peck mystery began. Jose had lived on her street and had been friends with Johnny, like I said. Also, he'd stayed close with the Joe Peck family after all these years, having dinners with Carrie Ann's mother on more than one occasion, serving as a rock for the family in their times of desperate grief. Jose had been at that party. He'd been there early, and met Carrie Ann at the door when she showed up after having been kicked out of school. He admits this to the radio station, to his ex-wife, to the crisis counselor. He says they'd had the place to themselves, and Jose had smoked some weed with Carrie Ann. 
then suggested they go down to the basement, a known makeout spot there at Johnny's. Carrie Ann, 13 years old, had initially agreed, but according to Jose, 17 years old, she changed her mind at the top of the staircase. Jose will admit that this angered him and that he shoved her, causing the girl to go tumbling down the stairs. When he reached her in the basement, she was unconscious. So, he molested her. And he didn't have to tell us that, did he? If he's coming forward with this, for whatever reason, guilt, he doesn't have to tell us that he molested her. He could say that he just got angry, or he could say that she just fell down the stairs and I saw it. Oh, but I'm giving him benefit of the doubt there um, in how much he's giving. He could also be giving us little. Remember, this is only from his confession, so it all could be much worse. And he's giving us a little to uh, taper down how bad it was. He says he only molested her breasts. Did you? We don't know. Did you push her down the stairs? Or did you smash her head off the ground, snap her neck? You know, it could be much worse. When he realized, in his words, that Carrie Ann had broken her neck and was dead... Jose had dragged her at a door from the basement that led to the backyard and buried her in a shallow grave beneath the porch. A neighbor from the time would recall seeing Jose in the yard crying and throwing his hands to the sky days later. He was questioned at this time because of this neighbor calling that in, but he was never taken seriously as a suspect and just thought to be a weird kid, you know, upset that his friend had died. And he showed to be a friend by continuing to stick with the family through the next... 15 years, checking in beyond. Well, now 33 years later, he apparently is the killer. The best the system can do with all the time gone and the constantly shifting confession of Jose Ferreira is give him seven years. That was in 2017. It is now 2023. He'll likely be released soon. They couldn't quite get a full confession like flat from him. He kept on pulling back, but something was pushing him like he'd pushed Carrie Ann down those basement stairs, pushing him forward to continue coming back and saying, yes, it was me. Oh, no, I'm not so sure. I kind of fucked up. I just say things sometimes. No, 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 it was me. It was me after a night's sleep, after he slept on it. He would come back and say, no, me. In court, Jose looked to the family he'd been duping for decades, befriending them as a way to assuage his guilt, and said this, quote, I can't take back how it happened. Sorry. From the deepest pain in my heart, sorry. End quote. The 50-year-old looks much older than 50. looks to be like 100. His eyes carry baggage, as no doubt does his soul. And though it doesn't come up in court, the real reason Jose has come forward is because he's been pushed to. To Carrie Ann Jopek's mother, he will privately confess that Carrie Ann herself had been haunting him for years. And it was either fess up or kill himself with how intense the haunting had become. And that'll do it. I think that's one. That's an offering that will come back more frequently than, say, the Waking Up With Jack Luna has or anything else that I've tried to, you know, Dark Topic Cold or whatever I'm fucking around with. 
this works. This, I have so many of these, and I know that uh, you understand this as a true crime consumer or uh, fellow true crime podcasters, if you're listening, understand this. At night, you'll, you'll go through a bunch of cases looking for a case. Um, or you'll just go through stuff, you know, seeing what you might be interested in. And um, especially as a true crime podcaster or as a, a journalist or whoever else is doing this sh- fucking crazy occupation, you're searching for cases. You're searching for stuff that no one else has heard. And it becomes kind of sick. And I've talked about that before. And it's kind of like how I said in the beginning, you're scrolling through tombstones, but you can see the faces on those tombstones. You can see their entire past. You read far enough in it, into it to learn about their killer, to learn about their family, to learn about their, their future aspirations, to even see their dead body and what had happened to them. And if it doesn't work for you, at some point you just got to like move on from it like you're walking through a cemetery. And I would love for this to be a place where I can respect some of what I'm seeing. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Eyes cocked, doors locked. Stay paranoid.